Amen. Right on. We are in the series called Let's Go. We believe that the church, the body of Christ, even ourselves as individuals, we're called to be a people who go. We're on the move. We don't shrink back. We don't hold back. We don't push pause when things get hard or when things get sketchy. No, we're a people called to be on the move. We go. Uh, I thought about it this way, that really anything that we've ever lost or given up or ground that we've lost as like a church or a people of God, the only reason we've lost it is because we've given it up. We forfeited it. We see in the video and we know in scripture that the scripture says that he's already overcome death, hell, and the grave. We already know that the word promises that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So any place that we've lost influence or authority is because we've surrendered it. And we've probably surrendered it in the place of we've just let ourselves get stagnant or, um, you know, um, complacent. And and then therefore the enemy came in and did his thing. So we're called to be a people who go. The mission of this church, the mission of your life is to be a person who goes. That's why we say this. We believe the church does not need a mission. Rather, the mission needs a church. That's what we talked about a couple weeks ago. We're all in active duty. Therefore, our mission is to fulfill the great commission and the great command of Jesus Christ, which we find in Mark 16, 15, which is go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Here's the mission. Here's what you're called to. Here's what you were created on purpose for a purpose for is to be a person who goes where? Into all the world, to all people at all times, at all costs, loving all people with the gospel and the good news of God. And so I don't believe in like, retirement. There is no bench in the kingdom of God where you get to sit back and do nothing and take a break and do a thing. And I believe there's seasons where some of us, you know, you, you maybe really been hurt or you've really been in a situation where you got to kind of take a breather. But this idea of like, I've done my time, I've paid my dues, I'm, I'm out. No, we're always in this thing. That's why the scripture talks about in the last days, you're going to see uh, young men, uh, you know, old men dreaming dreams, young men. It's this picture of what? Young and old working together. Why? Because there is no retirement. We do this thing, and that's a good thing there is no retirement. It's not like, oh, man, I wish I could retire. No, we get to be in this thing. We get to be. You're living in the greatest hour. You didn't draw the short end of the stick. You didn't draw the short straw or whatever it is where, oh, man, I'm living through 2020 and 2021. No, you get to live here. God created you on purpose for a purpose in this hour, and you should be excited about it. Can I get an amen? I know that I am. And so we're called to go. We're called to be a people who go. And we go everywhere all the time to all people at all costs because God has empowered us and equipped us to go. And so that's why Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says this. This is what we do when we're going. It says, you make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. So there's this term of all things. We're always on the move at all time doing all things. We can't just leave evangelism up to the preacher. Yeah. Oh, nope, here, here, nope, that's for the pastor. No, at all times, we're teaching them, training them, equipping them, teaching them all things. We all are. Amen. We all got our part to play in this. And I know that you've heard uh, the teaching of the, the body of Christ. The scripture says uh, that we're, all, we're all different parts, but we make up one body. All of us working together do our part, equips us to be this people who live on mission, going and being and doing all things to all people. It's what God's called us to do. I've shared this with you before. It comes from Ed Stetzer, but it says this. The United States has far more church buildings than number of McDonald's, Starbucks, and Dunkin' Donut stores combined. 
giving the impression that there's a church facility on every corner and plenty of room for anyone who wants to take part. In reality, if the entire population of more than 350 million Americans went to an established church, including those that meet in storefronts, rented school facilities, and the like, more than half would be turned away if every church held three weekend services. It means if every church in America, meeting those meeting in all those locations, every single one of them said, hey, you know what, next week we're having three services, do you know that half of America would be turned away from the opportunity to hear the good news of God? Why is that? It's because we're not equipped. We're not prepared. We don't have the laborers to step into the harvest field and do the ministry that America is requiring at this time. You know, I've said this before, but do you know that uh, America is now the third largest mission field? We used to pray and send people away to the other parts of the world to go evangelize. We're sort of like recalling them. Hey, we need them back. We need some help back over here. Why? It's because I believe we've gotten stagnant. We as a church have forgot that we're on mission. We need to go and reach people and preach and disciple. Are you with me today? And so statistically, we got half, we got, we got, half would be turned away, meaning half of the population of America needs us to roll up our sleeves and get active and begin reaching them. The statistics are about the same for Grand Rapids. The Barna Research Group, you can look up this data uh, through Barna Research, says that Grand Rapids would basically be our radius. So being in Zealand, Holland, wherever you are, in a 30-mile radius, we fall into Grand Rapids category. It's a population of about a million people and growing, and so growing at a fast rate, and so these numbers are continually changing. But uh, the post-Christian, meaning people who've maybe walked away from their faith, uh, we come in, Grand Rapids comes in at 60 uh, out of 100. We come in as the 60th most unchristian or post-Christian towns or cities in America. Uh, churchless, meaning people who have no affiliation or have walked away, uh, we're at 46. So combined, uh, we're coming in at over half of our population. The first category is 33% is post-Christian. The churchless or de-church category is 36%. So we're coming in well over half of our radius has no vital connection to the body or the good news of God. And so what that means is this, we actually need more church. We need more people serving. We need more people connected. We need more people going. Can I get an amen? This isn't the time for us to be like, well, there's a church on every corner. Like we all have this impression. There's a church on every corner. They used to tease us when we planted this church. Why are you planting another church in West Michigan? We don't need another church. They would say about Grand Rapids, uh, it's Jerusalem, G-R, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. It's such a church place. But the truth is it's not. It's been changing so rapidly and so quickly. And the reality is more people spent time at the bars last night than people are going to be in church. We have a great harvest field that needs people to jump in and make a difference and roll up their sleeve and say, let's go. Can I get an amen? And the enemy's done a really good job of like duping us into this idea of, hey, you know what? Right now, focus on you. We got this cute little word that's running around in America called self-care, and it's creeping into the church. Oh, I'd love to serve. I'd love to go. I'd love to make a difference. But right now, I got to take care of. Are you with me? And so then you have this data that says 10% do the 90% of the work. You got these same old 10% of the church out here doing the same stuff, doing all this hard work, doing all that. And that's not a sustainable pattern. Are you with me? So that's why many of you have experienced it. You you volunteer in a church. You fall into that 10% category that's doing 90% of the work. And you burn out. And you burn out. And then you don't serve anymore. And so I'm just saying about this church, we need to get in a position where we make sure that there's balance. And everyone's doing their part. Because many members make up the body. We all have an assignment. Are you with me? Jesus gives us this great picture. I believe it's so true for the time that we're living in right now. 
Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 in the New Living Translation says this. It says, Jesus traveled through all the towns, there's that word all again, in villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news of the kingdom of God. If you want to know what you're supposed to be about, you're supposed to be going through your life announcing the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom of God. It's so sad that so many Christians are announcing all the negative things. Well, I don't like this. Well, I don't. That was a couple weeks ago. I won't do it again. (laughs) It says, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. One translation says that they were harassed. They were people who looked harassed because they were a people without a shepherd. Isn't that so true about the hour that we're living in? When you look at the data of the world and the stuff that we're walking through, we see a generation of people who are confused, harassed, and helpless because they don't have a shepherd telling them the truth. We have got to rise up as a body of Christ and a people of God and start proclaiming and speaking the truth. Just like what Jesus was saying, we're announcing the good news of the gospel. Why? Because we see a world that's confused, don't we? We see a world that is harassed by the lies of the enemy, and it is destroying a generation. Are you with me? So Jesus says this. He sees it. He sees, oh, they're without a shepherd. He says to his disciple, the harvest is great. One translation says the harvest is plentiful. But the workers, another says laborers, we could say servers, are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Why? Because it's God's desire that everybody gets the care that they need. Hey, there's a shortage here. We need to pray to God and make sure that people are raised up to go do what? The Great Commission. Seek, save the lost, baptize them, serve them, disciple them. Are you with me today? Jesus didn't go, oh, man, what a shame, and then move along. But so many of us do that. We get on our social media, we watch the news, and we go, wow, this world is messed up. Back to normal life. No, no, we need to say, oh, my gosh, this world has great need, and we begin to pray to the Lord of the harvest. God, send workers. Make a difference in their life. God, send me. Are you with me? So as a church, we're so incredibly grateful to have a church of people who serve and make a difference and stand up. We saw the fruit of people saying, you know what? We're not going to sit back. We're not going to shrink back. We're not going to shelter in place. Instead, we're going to go forward and we're going to trust God and we're going to move out and we're going we're gonna to make a difference. Uh, Friday, I believe, uh, maybe it was yesterday, was our one year, and I hate to even use the word anniversary, but it's the one year uh, anniversary of the shutdown. It's, uh, it's the first time that we ever had to come to you and say, hey, we've closed the doors. We won't be having church. That was one year ago. Now, a lot of prayer happened. A lot of consideration happened. And even in the days that followed, we still said, okay, God, what do you want to do? How do you want us to go? And so if you remember, many of you, we sent out a survey and we asked you to pray and answer questions. And so we got the plan from the Lord and from the people. And we said, all right, we're going to go forward. And we went after it. Why? Because we know that God calls us to be a people who go. Can I get an amen? And so we went forward with the plan. And I just want to share with you the fruit of that. And it's for a purpose. It's not just for bragging. But I want you to see what the Lord has done when people decide to say, no, no, we're not a shrink back people. We're a go people. God says, if you're faithful with the little, he gives you more. So when we say, hey, God, this is what we got. This is the best we can do. We're going to go anyway. He continues to add on to that. Are you with me? So this is us one year from where we were a year ago. In-person attendance is up 45%. Give it up to God for that. 
our online experience, we did not have online streaming before the shutdown. So our online experience of viewership and people that participate in the reach that happens through social media is up 326%. Uh, Our church-wide influence or reach, meaning all the different things combined, is up 87% since we said, God, we're going to go. Are you with me? And so I'm not going to use the word like we've had explosive growth or we're in revival or anything like that. However, they, those words apply here. Uh, they, they do categorize this. Now, here's the reason I brought it up. It's not a pat on our back, not anything like that. But here's what we're facing as a church. Many of you know this, especially second service people. Uh, we're at capacity. You know, first service was a little lighter this week just because of daylight savings. But in both services, we're full. We're past capacity. We have issues with that. So we as a church are praying and deciding, Lord, do you want us to add a third service? Or do you want us to continue to uh, create a space where we can have additional seating in our second floor sanctuary? Do we add to that environment? What are you asking us to do? But one of the things that we know is God doesn't give you more until you handle what you already have, right? And so we're looking at our teams like, okay, how can we take more ground? We're not just going to sit here and stay the way we are. God, we know you have more for us. Uh, In Grand Rapids, uh, over half, that means a half a million people need the good news of God. So we know that the harvest field is plentiful in our area. And so we need to keep going and keep going. So one of the things that this stat doesn't show that that has been challenging is that even though we've grown that much in percentage, we've actually decreased in our volunteer base from this time last year. And I realized that with with great issue, uh, many people had concern and we gave a lot of great grace. And I'm not trying to put guilt on anybody. But what I'm saying is we we do need to be in a position where we keep doing going and we do it in a healthy manner. Are you with me? And thank you to all of you who have stepped up and served and filled in the gaps and done a great job. But but I'm here to say we, we as the body, we have got to come together and say, okay, Lord, how are you calling me to be a part of the way that you're leading this church? Are you with me? Um, And so we have a great opportunity. There's a great harvest field. There's a great opportunity for us to grow and make a difference. Um, My in-laws, my, of course, wife's family, um, they're they're barely saved. I mean, they're saved, but they're not really saved (laughs) because, uh, because they celebrate the Easter bunny. They do Easter egg hunts. And so that automatically knocks your salvation tear down a little bit. And so they do these Easter egg hunts every Easter. Uh, like, so they'll be like part-time. Like, they'll, they'll be like part-time in heaven, part-time in hell. That's what her family will be. And um, that's not good theology. I'm just kidding. But they, they do the Easter egg hunt. And to make it worse, some of you do this too, uh, they put cash in the eggs for the children. They put cash in some of the eggs, and then they spread them all out, and then they, you know, they put all the kids together in line. They, oh, it'd be so cute. We'll take your picture. And my favorite thing about family picture taking is like 700 people get out with their phones. Hold on, I gotta get a picture. No one ever does anything with the pictures, <laughs> right? There's never like a calendar made. There's never a thing. But we spend so much time taking these pictures, we do nothing with. Anyway, I feel better after saying that. I got that off my. <laughs> and so everybody takes a picture, and then and then the kids all run off and get their thing. Well, I have three kids. My oldest daughter, uh, she's very social, loves people, talks to people. My middle son, not so social. He's a little more quiet, reserved, uh, kind of keeps to himself. He's always evaluating every situation. And uh, so he's the middle. And then my third one, uh, she's just crazy. I think she does ecstasy. I don't know where she's getting it, but she, I just, you know, stitch, stitch that little thing from Disney, that little guy there. That's who she is, I think. You know, she came here by way of spaceship. So, but my middle guy, he's reserved, you know, he's reserved. And um, so the Easter egg hunt, you know, it's like, okay, kids go. And there's money in the things and there's all this stuff to do. And so he's being so chill. He's being himself. This is how he's hunting. He's like, 
just calm, being like, and the kids are all running, doing the thing. And I'm, as the dad, I'm like, bro, like the harvest is plenty. Like, look at all the eggs. What are you doing? Let's go. And so the next year I was like, dude, like there's money in those eggs, you know? So listen, you got to go, dude. When they say go get the eggs, you got to run. And so when they, I said, they're going to put it, they're going to put all your cousins in a line. They're going to put them all in this line. And I said, right when they say go, bro, you got to push like two of them down as hard as you can. You're not going to be in trouble. I won't punish you. Push them as hard as you can. Because if they're crying, if your cousins are crying, they won't be able to see the eggs. And you'll get more. And I'm trying to say the same thing to you as a church, friends. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. We got to get out there. Start pushing the enemy down. Why are you believing all this and believing it, letting all these things get in your way? We got to go, you guys. And so we got to serve and we got to get in the game. We got to be a part of what God is doing because the harvest is plentiful. The reality about the world that we live in is uh, we've had more than we've ever, ever had in history. Our houses statistically are bigger than they've ever been. Our cars are bigger than they've ever been. We have more channels. We have more opportunity to travel, more music, more movies. You have more than you've ever had before. But the reality is we've never seen more suicides, addictions, overdoses, children's without father in the home. We're more lost than we've ever been. And why is it? It's because we don't know the truth. Americans haven't come to find the truth and the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. And it's because we're not telling them. It's because we're not creating opportunities for people to taste and see that the Lord is good. I said, well, pastor, what are we going to do with this persecution? You know, soon we're not going to be able to sell books on Amazon anymore. It's all good. We've been here before. The book of Acts knows what persecution looks like. When we were fasting, um, we, Jess and I were on a 40-day fast at the beginning of the year in a really strict fast. But um, because I'm kind to you, uh, I would still chew gum when I would be with people. But because I basically was having like no sugar, nothing, uh, when I would throw in a piece of gum, I was like, this gum is glorious. <laughs> I've never enjoyed gum in my life like I've enjoyed gum on a fast. I've never been like this, gum, you know, and it's because why? It's because it had been so long since I'd experienced. So here's my answer to you when you worry or you wonder about, well, what's going to happen if we're persecuted? You know, they call us haters and bigots and they call us all these things and they say we have hate speech. Yeah, but when somebody actually comes through these doors and actually gets a taste of the truth. We're talking about <coughs> making it a campaign. We might actually, and, and, and let me feel, get it out here, feel it out, do a feeler here. I believe that people are going to come in and taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. So we might start a new hashtag here, hashtag tasty church. <laughs> come taste it. I'm floating a few of those out there. But that's what I would say back to you. The more, the, more, the more that things get dark, the more that things get dry, the more that things get thick, and people come in and get experience, taste and see the Lord is good, they'll never go back. Amen. So let, let, let everybody say what they want to say about things and then let people come in and experience the goodness of God. Amen. But they can't come in and experience it if we aren't creating environments where they can do it. And it takes all of us working together and serving and doing our part. The Hirsch Mental Health Services in Los Angeles, so Orange County, said that they saw an 8,000% increase. You can look that up, an 8,000% increase to their suicide hotline rate in 2020. I shared a couple weeks ago uh, that the data that I found um, from the Church on the Move, a pastor there shared this data, uh, that the suicide hotline rate in America didn't go up 5%, 50%, 500%. The calls to the suicide hotline rate in America went up 5,000%. Self-harm among teenagers is up 334% in 2020. Overdoses among teenagers is up 119%. Anxiety, 94%. And depression, 
Guys, that, that means almost double. And the number itself in the beginning shouldn't have even been. And it, it, it almost doubled. And that's what we even know about. That's what's even being reported. What I'm here to say is the harvest is plentiful. And we need to pray that we all be the, the people who serve and jump in and be a part of it. John chapter 15, verse 11 in the message version says this, I have told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. This is my command. Love one another the way I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You are my friends when you do the things I command you. He says, love the way I loved. Well, how did God love us? He gave everything. He gave at all cost, at all times. He gave it all. So he's saying the best way to love your neighbor, the best way to live your life, the best way to love is to be a people who don't hold back, don't keep to themselves, don't protect, but instead give at all times. Give of our calendar, give of our time, give of our resources. That's the best way to give, putting your life on the line. Do you know that you're never more like God than when you prefer others? Yeah, I wish I had a little bit more time on a Sunday morning to myself, but I'm going to prefer others because God does, and so I'm going to serve. Are you with me? Oh, man, I really wish Tuesday nights, you know, I could keep a little more time to myself, but, but I want to make sure I'm at the outreach center packing hand-to-hand for the kids. Are you with me? That's being like God. Mother Teresa said, a life not lived for others is not a life. William James says, a great use of life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. A great use of your life is to spend your life in a way that you've served and you've planted and you've connected in a way that it will outlast you even after you're gone. We, when we were planting this church, you know, we were coming together as a launch team and praying and believing and asking God what he would have us do as we would influence this city and reach people. But our prayer wasn't this, oh God, give us our city. Oh Lord, would you send us our city? Would you give us the people of this town? Instead, we prayed, God, give us to our city. God, would you give us to our city? God, help us live and operate and be a church that, that we're poured out unto our city and unto our people. Because that's the way that God showed his love to us poured out and given to other people. We say this all the time. If all your prayers came true, would it change your world? Would it change the world or just your life? If all the prayers you prayed, would it change the world or just your world? As our mindset, God, I'm pouring myself out for the world. I'm here to serve the way that you served and gave all. One of the things that makes me cringe uh, as a pastor when I hear this in our church uh, is when somebody talks about our church, they say, oh, yeah, our church, you know, one of the things at our church, and then they say, blah, 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 and then they say, uh, they, at our church, they, at our church, they, and I wish they would say, at our church, we, at our church, we, because if our mindset is you come to a place where somebody else does something, you've missed it by a mile. My prayer is that, oh, at our church, we, because we're the body. We all do this. Are you with me? We all are in this together. I'm no greater than you. Daniel's no greater. We're all in this together. The fact that right now up in kids ministry, yes, kids are being ministered to. But by the way of those adult or those people up there serving kids, they're also serving you. We're all in this together, which by the way, I just got a text when I was worshiping, and uh, I checked my Apple Watch, so I'll ask forgiveness of that later. But it was Vanessa, our children's director, saying, today we broke a elementary classroom attendance record today. Highest attendance we ever had in elementary. So what does that mean? It means we got to go. Guys, we got to grow. We got to plug in. We got to serve. We got to make sure that that field has plenty of laborers in it. Can I get an amen? It's the Easter season, and... uh, 
And I always start to get these emails where people start asking about the church. And so they say, hey, we're considering coming to your church at Easter. We're trying to find a church. And then the list of questions that they have are all selfish. Uh, do you preach like that? Do you sing my kind of music? Do you this, my kind of thing? Do you do, do you have this for me and that for me and this for me? Now, I understand there's a time where you want to make sure things are you know, lined up good for your kids and you got all these kind of things. But the enemy's done a good job at making us think that church is for us. That's a good, good job saying amen there. I'm glad you get it. Because church is not about us. It's about him and others. We worship him. We come here. We, we, we pour back our love and our gratitude toward him. But then we're also, what can we do for each other? What if people started sending me emails? Hey, uh, considering checking out your church, but I'm just wondering how quickly can I pour back into it? How quickly can I join a team and serve? Is there any projects that you got going on in the church that I could help finish? I'd be like, that's a drunk email right there. Who's sending this one? <laughs> Someone get that person help. <laughs> but what if that was our mindset? No, it's not all about me. It's about how I can contribute. It's how I can be a part of it. Can I get an amen? We love this saying, he, is too, he who is too big to do the small things is too small to ever do the big things. Well, I'm waiting for the right time for God to do this. No, God says, handle the small things and I'll grow you into the big things. All of the things God wants us to be involved in and connected, and we don't just wait for the big thing. It's our joy. It's our honor to serve. This week I went to, uh, many of you might have saw it online, uh, I went to New Holland Brewery and got the pickle pizza. Come on, somebody. It was so good. Pickle pizza had dill on it and bacon and all this stuff. And it's worth it. You need to go there. Yeah, all right. And, uh, and I'll gladly go with anyone. We'll go again. Let's go. Uh, but I went there, and we had the best server. The dude was just great. He was so fun to be around. And um, so he's coming up to the table, and, and he's like, oh, can I get you? Oh, and you should try this, and you should do that. Oh, man, if you don't like it, I'll bring you something else, and you'll love it. And it was such an enjoyable experience because he was life-giving, and it was his joy to serve. Are you with me? But how many have ever been to the church, or how many have ever been to the restaurant that's like, well, can I get you? Is that it? And you're just like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to. And I just wonder if we've created church environments that are the same way. Happy to serve. It's all for you, Lord. This is my honor. I could go on and on, but I probably shouldn't. And people are coming in here like, I got to get out of this place. There's no joy in serving. And God is saying, it's your best way of loving is to lay down your life for somebody else. It's your joy. It's our honor to be a part of what God is doing in his body. Are you with me? You can be right in doctrine, but cold in spirit. And one of the ways that it gets us is when we don't serve. It's when we don't connect. And I understand we're all in different seasons. But it's when we have this posture of like, no, I'm established. I'm above this. I'm above that. No, no. Matthew 20, 26, whoever wants to become great among you, you must first be a servant. Just as the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. The model, the method of influence always comes by way of serving. Find a need and meet it. Are you with me? God wired us. This is my last point, then I want to go over this card that's sitting on your chair. God wired you to be a person who gets involved. And here's my examples, uh, most of you. Now don't elbow your husband. <laughs> But most people don't walk into the room and, and see a bunch of things, people being like kind of scattered and in a hurry. And you don't walk over to a dinner party and they're putting all these things together and then you just stand there. No, your natural wiring, your inclination is to go, hey, what can I help with? Is there anything I can do? What can I help with? You're at a barbecue and someone's carrying all the stuff out to the picnic table. Is it, can I grab something? Can I help you? you know, hopefully most of you all do that. It's because God wired you to be that way. 
But what a shame when we come into the house of God and we just stand around and let everybody else do the stuff. No, we're a family. This is the body of Christ. We ought to be being like, how can I help? How can I get plugged in? How can I be a part of what God's doing here? Can I get an amen? So my encouragement to you is do not, do not think. The, the enemy does this good thing of, of trying to say, to you, yeah, I would love to serve, but I'm not worthy. Oh, I'd love to serve, but I'm not qualified enough. God equips and qualifies the called. Are you with me? And we're all called. We already went through it in scripture. And so you got these cards here on the seat. We're going to take the next few minutes and I want to go over these things. I believe that God is going to strengthen our team so that we can take more ground. I believe that God is going to equip and empower this church to get in position to continue to take more ground and see lives set free. Can I get an amen today? Go ahead and pick up this card. I'm going to run you through a few of these topics, and then our ushers are going to receive these at the end of service. You can fill them out, drop them in the bucket. Uh, Also, at the end of service, if you have more questions about how certain things work, um, Jess and Vanessa are going to be at a table in the hallway there, and uh, they can answer any questions you may have about the card. But let me run through these for you for a minute because, look, this is the body coming together. In, in, in meeting the need and taking care of the, the harvest that's plentiful. Amen? So our setup team is so fun because the setup team gets to come in first thing. You guys get first shot at it. You get to come in and, uh, and, and get right after it. And so the setup team sometimes puts together chairs. A lot of people don't know this, but um, when it's not COVID, this room actually gets used all throughout the week by other ministries. So much of our stuff isn't actually up here during the week. And so the setup team comes in, puts things back together. But here's what I want you to understand. If you're somebody who likes to check a box and put things together, you feel good if you've, after you've accomplished some things. That's what this team is. But check this out. Here's what, what people don't think about. When you come in and set up, you, you get the first shot at praying over everything. Put out a feather flag. Pray over that thing. God, I pray that his sermon wasn't as bad as last week. Help him this week. <laughs> and pray that, you know, and, and you pray over all these chairs and you pray over all the signs that you put up. You get first spiritual crack at anointing this place. And uh, we just think that's so amazing. And then tear down, it's the same thing, but works in reverse. And so it kind of helps us put things away and get things prepared for the week. So set up and tear down is such a vital, important part of everything that happens here. Again, it's the body working together to make up this whole ministry. There is no me if there is no setup. You say, well, the pastor is really making a difference. No, it all started with the setup team. Can I get an amen today? So set up and tear down. Now, one thing that's cool here as a church, too, is uh, a lot of these uh, areas of ministry can work together. You can do setup, and then you can be an usher in the same day and just make a, a day out of it. And so we work together with your schedule in a bunch of different ways, and, um, and it's powerful. So set up and tear down. The tech team, everything you see here is so powerful. It's literally a part of the worship team. Everything that they do here as they express worship and we get ministered to, it comes through the way of the soundboard and the tech team. And so you say, oh, I don't know anything about sound engineering and lighting. Uh, If you just have computer skills, they can get you trained up and put together. Um, You guys saw how far that graph went up with our online experience. We wouldn't be able to do it without a tech team. And so if you got any experience that way, man, get on that tech team. Be a part of the worship experience that comes out of here. Um, The coffee bar is so cool. Um, Honestly, it's the most important thing we do as a church because if you don't have coffee, you just go home. I mean, I just know how you people are about your coffee. And, uh, but here's actually the cool part about the coffee, and I'm going to say it this way, um, and, and it's fine. But really, honestly, the coffee bar is so cool because you're sort of like a bartender. And uh, they're coming up, and they're, and they're getting their coffee, but they're talking to you. They're, hey, how's it going? And then they begin to pour out about their life as they're getting a coffee. You say, oh, man. I'll be praying for you about that. Oh, have you thought about going to one of our groups? Have you thought about getting in a class? And all of a sudden, ministry happens over the way of coffee. And so you say, oh, the coffee bar, that's not that spiritual. It's super spiritual because you get to connect people. It's part of being a part of the body. Our prayer team is, oh, I'm not qualified to be a part of the prayer team. Do you believe in the power of prayer? 
Yeah. Okay, you're qualified to be on the prayer team because we can train you and equip you and get you all set up. Well, I'm not that comfortable with this, but I have a heart to pray. What a dupe that the enemy would get. Well, I'm not that qualified, but I have a heart to pray as if God disqualifies that, right? And so I'm just saying, come on, we, we can't keep believing the lies of why you shouldn't be involved. Are you with me today? So the prayer team, we love. The security team, man, the security team, a lot of people don't know this, but all throughout the facility right now, we have people walking through the facility and they're keeping an eye on everything and they got iPads and they're checking on the cameras and we got cameras all over the building. And so if you shoot a gun better than a stormtrooper, we need you on the team. We need you here. Uh, but the security team, if, if you're someone who sees things and is into, you know, kind of safety and policy and those things, um, we'd love you on that security team uh, being a part of, of keeping us in good order. A greeting. Uh, they say this. They say that statistically, people make a decision about whether they're going to return to the church or not before they even hear the pastor preach. I'm like, really? Come on. <laughs> but think about that. The way you feel when you come through the door, the way you hit the coffee bar, all of the things that happen before you even get to the sermon, people make a decision on. So greeting is such a high spiritual important part of a church. Maybe you can be a part of the greeting team. Usher is the same thing. You heard me talk about excellence is important. And so the way that the ushers keep things flowing and working together, it really is important. And we'd love to have you be a part of the ushering. The worship band, how many know we're so grateful for the life-giving expression of worship, being led in music and in worshiping um, is such a big deal. You say, well, I can't maybe do it like Daniel or like Tiffany or, or any of these people. Uh, but yeah, but what can you do? Because Daniel is, is such an incredible leader and he's so great at pouring into people. And so how can we develop you? and get you, because how many know you don't stop? Well, I used to play. I can only, God. no, God wants to continue to grow you. Can I get an amen? So get on that worship band and be a part of it. Hand to hand, as I mentioned, our outreach center where we pack groceries for kids. Can you help us make sure that that's excellent? How many know that Jesus used food to minister to people? Well, it's not that spiritual. We're just packing groceries. Uh, hold on. Jesus used food to minister to people and it made a difference. I believe we can anoint those when we send them into people. Are you with me? Kids Hope is one that's not really functioning right now through COVID, but Kids Hope is a mentorship program in our school. It's so, so super important, and, um, and we believe in it in a big way, and we can let you know more about it. If you want to circle it and get more details, we can let you know later. Students, our teenagers, come on, our teenagers, are, uh, we say it like this. They tell you that if you're not the first to say something, if you're not the first to educate, if you're not the first one to talk about it, then everybody else spends the rest of their time trying to dissemble, disassemble the first person's take on it. So what I'm trying to say is if the world is the first person to say something to our teenagers about issues, then we got to work so much harder to try to disassemble it. What if we built such a great team in the church that we were talking about the good news of God, the kingdom of God, we were the first one on all the important issues and the world had to spend all their energy trying to disassemble. Are you with me? But we've been so, I don't know, with things. Are you with me? So students and then kidsmen, uh, our check-in team, elementary all the way through babies. Oh, I don't know about kids, man. Well, kids are crazy. Kids are crazy. <laughs> I concur. <laughs> but the difference you can make in a child's life by just going up there and, and, and at the kids checking, hey, buddy, I love that Spider-Man shirt. Kids are like, yeah, it is a cool shirt, isn't it? <laughs> Their confidence level just went up, and now they're comfortable coming to church. And because they're comfortable coming to church, now the parents don't have to drag them to church. And so the, now Sunday's not stressful, so a parent can now can come in and receive. Do you see how all of this works together? Yeah. And so consider, oh, I don't have, a, I don't have an education, in, I don't have a degree in education for kids and all this kind of, you don't have to. Can you give a high five? Can you tell the kid you're proud of them? 
Because the scripture says if you even give a cup of cold water to a kid, there's a reward for you. What if we created such environments where these are places where our kids, amidst all of the agendas that they're having to deal with, they can come to a place like this and experience genuine love, God's love, and find their purpose and discover freedom. Are you with me? What if we could create these environments? So I'm not asking you to, you to serve because it's our annual serve day. We don't even have a serve day as a church. There's, no, this is, there's nothing strategic about it other than we're looking at the harvest field and we're saying, God, we need some more help. We need some more servers in here because we believe that you have more for us. Are you with me? We're not going to forfeit territory just because we all wanted to guard our schedules. Can I get an amen? And so pray about it. Consider it. Think about it. And, um, and if you're able today, go ahead and fill the card out. Drop it in the buckets. If you have more questions, like I said, Jess and Vanessa will be at the table. If you want to pray about it and ask us more questions later, we'd love to talk with you. But here's what I would say this in closing uh, is this. I thought about it like this. People always ask me, man, how can I get to meet people? How can I get plugged in? And, and how can I really make this my home? I always say, join a team. Yeah. You got to get plugged in and start serving and be a part of what God is doing. Uh, we're big Disney people. We always go to Disney. And so when we hear that people uh, go to Disney, we're always like, oh, Disney. Yeah, yeah, we love Disney. Did you go and do this? Well, they'd be like, did you go on that ride or did you go to this thing? And then people are like, no, we didn't do that. I'm like, what? Then you didn't even go to Disney. Like, if you didn't do that, then you didn't even go if you didn't do that thing. And I would say the same thing about the church. Like, you go to church, oh, do you serve there? No. What? You're missing everything. You're not even a part. You're like, oh, my gosh, you got to serve. It's our joy to be able to serve and make a difference in people's life. Can I get an amen? And I know that would be all of your testimonies, those of you that serve. It's like, man, where it really hit home for me is when I joined a team and started to be a part of it. Are you with me? Let me pray for you, and then we'll give you the opportunity to drop off your cards. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the way that you love us and lead us and guide us. Lord, we ask that you just shine the light on the areas that you would have us serve and connect and be a part of it. Uh, we're so grateful for the growth and the expansion and the advancement that you put on this church. But God, we aren't going to just stay here. We believe for more. In Jesus' name, amen.